Welcome into Lonely Town, a killer's podcast. This is going to be one for the record books. Uh, we got a special guest. Uh, we got Full House, and it's Jimmy and Derek doing the, the killer's podcast. Jimmy loves it when I say it, but he is the uh, brains of this operation. So tonight, or to this afternoon with us, we have, I'm going to call him Pelican, probably more often than not, but it's Scott Wallace, who I think of uh, my high school days. Scott comes to mind. He's kind of hidden a, a profile on social media and disappeared. Uh, when people, I run into people from Nephi that were around the same age as us, one of the names that gets brought up the most is whatever happened to Scott Wallace. So uh, we're going to get that story today as long as uh, he's willing to give it, and we're going to have a conversation about the killers and Brandon Flowers, as far as I know. So, Scott, welcome on in. and uh, Thanks for having me. Whatever happened to Scott Wallace? Whatever happened to you? Well, uh, it's true that I am non-existent on social media. Uh, part of that was by dumb luck. And then part of that is now by design, but uh, I'm glad to not be part of social media, to be honest. But that being said, that means I have no connection with my past either. I always ask, what happened to this person? What happened to that person? If I had social media, I would know what happened to those people. So I ask those questions probably more often, certainly more often than they get asked about me. But uh, I wish I knew more about you know the friends that I grew up with and how their lives are today, but... Not a rabbit hole I'm willing to jump down yet. All right, well. So I heard a rumor about a Rage Against the Machine concert at the Whitmore Mansion. Can you tell me anything about that? I remember the Rage Against the Machine concert very well. <laughs> not not as a participant. I didn't go to the Rage versus Machine concert for Rage Against the Machine concert. Uh, but I remember everyone going. Um, I remember sitting in the locker room. Had to be our freshman year. Sitting in the locker room and hearing kids talk about it and you know some of the kids that went intimidated me quite immensely and uh just hearing them talk about it but i certainly was not invited to go with that group of kids <laughs> you get that invite out no well what's your relationship with nephi uh you don't you don't live there currently and and what's your memories of kind of starting back let's get into you know early brandon flower days early middle school what what's pelican's life like at that point well, I moved to Nephi. I'm a move-in. Moved to Nephi in the summer of 1987. I was six or five, five or six. I moved right when we started kindergarten. Um, so uh, I must have been five at that time. But so I moved in kindergarten, and as has been well documented on this show, like if your grandparents weren't born in Nephi, then you're a move-in, and I was certainly a move-in. Um, My grandparents were both born in Nephi. Parents were born in Nephi, and I was still moving. <laughs> well, that's true, because that's you moved there. to Nephi when you were in fourth grade. I remember that. Yeah. We always joke about that Jimmy was sick that week. We, that's why you and I became friends. So I appreciate that, Jimmy. <clears throat> so, uh, but the reason we moved to Nephi is because my dad and then subsequently my mom were both hired to teach at the school there. My dad uh, was involved in athletics, uh, coached football and basketball uh, those first few years. Um, but my, my earliest memories of, of being really involved with the school, uh, were in 1991 when my dad was hired to be the head basketball coach. And, um, I was you know, 10 years old at the time and I was the manager, whatever that meant. Um, but you know, my, I was the ball boy and, and things like that. But my, what I remember, first of all, is that that was a really good team that year. In fact, I could probably still tell you from memory the starting five from 1991. 
uh, at Jewab High School. Um, but I was just starstruck by by the kids that were there, and and I watched their every move, and and I was enamored by the kids in the high school. I had older brothers and sisters who were in the school. Both my parents worked in the school, and so I knew, you know, I heard rumors and knew a lot about what was going on in the school, even though I was fourth and fifth grade at the time, and I felt like I was a part of that community, uh, probably more so than I really was. Um, But, you know, my dad had a pretty successful run as a a basketball coach there, um, and I was always involved with those programs. And then, um, you know, up until the time that we were in high school. And so I always felt like, frankly, I felt like I was pretty special in the Juab High community just because I knew all the teachers way before any of my peers did. I knew the kids who were that age. um, And, you know, I remember getting checked out early in elementary school, getting checked out early to go to basketball games in faraway places and, you know, missing half a day of school and riding on the bus and, and all those experiences. And I, like I said, I just remember being completely starstruck and enamored by those older kids. So those are my earliest memories. You know, my parents, especially my dad, had keys to the school. And so I spent a lot of time in the school building uh, by myself on, you know, late at night on weekends. You know, I'd go and play, play in the gym, shoot baskets in the gym and walk down the hall and look through the trophy case. And, you know, Juab High was something that I was dearly in love with at the time. And um, so that, that's kind of my, my foundation. As far as Brandon goes, um, I remember, you know, Brandon Flowers, we called him Flower Power. I think that's been documented here. Um, I remember that we all thought that was kind of a silly last name to have. But Brandon and I weren't necessarily close friends. I mean, we knew each other. Um, I was fairly certain that we were in choir together, but yearbook data doesn't support that apparently. Um, so maybe that's not true. Um, but I do remember golfing with Jimmy a lot and I know that Jimmy golfed with Brandon a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and on the record and say, there's a really good chance that we golfed together more than once. Um, but I wouldn't say that we were close friends by any means. Um, he certainly knew who I was and he certainly knew my parents, but we weren't inner circle friends for sure. Well, the internet's not going to deny this. So I'm going to say you're in choir together because there's no way of proving whether or not that is true or not. And, uh, data might've been lost. Well, I like to tell my mom that she, because she was the choir director, she taught Brandon everything that he knows and that she should take credit. But the yearbook data doesn't show that he was ever enrolled in choir. So, Does your mom remember him singing or anything when you brought that up? I've well? talked to her about him, and she doesn't seem to say much or seem to remember much. So uh, I don't know. Um, I think she had a better relationship with his older siblings than with him. Maybe That makes sense. Uh, we've heard similar things from Joey, because his, both his parents taught either at the school or related to the school, and you know he had a lot of similar stories about how that influenced his life. Uh, well, one of the things on on Pressure Machine that gets brought up that's from our middle school years was is the train crash. I'd love to hear what you remember about that. I'm I'm sure you remember. You probably knew Raymond, the the, the boy who died, better than better than us for sure. Yeah. So there's six or so of us that have a pretty extensive text thread that goes around. Uh, and when the text thread started blowing up last fall about this album that was going to come out, I didn't know much about it. I didn't know when it was going to come out. I didn't, I didn't know any of those details. And then one day I got a video sent to me from Brandon performing at CBS this morning, or maybe it was Sunday morning, something like that. 
Uh, and the very first song that he sang was Quiet Town. And as we all know, the first line in that is about the train wreck. And I just got hit in the gut as hard as possible. And a flood of memories came rushing back. And I remember that very, very well. Uh, I think all of us do. You know, we were in seventh grade at the time. Raymond played basketball for my dad. He had just barely finished football season. Um, and basketball tryouts were like going on at that time. In fact, they probably started that day. Um, and Raymond had always been a big part of the basketball team. So, you know, I, I felt like I had a right to be affected by that uh, tragedy more so than other people because I had spent so many hours with Raymond on a bus and in the locker room. Not that Raymond ever pulled me aside and, you know, said that we were best friends or anything, but I, but I felt that way. You know, it probably wasn't the other way. They, I, I was probably the annoying little kid to them. But um, I was deeply affected by it. In fact, it happened November 3rd on my mom's birthday. Um, I remember that it was at lunch. That's been well documented. The, the um, song talks about it was in the pouring rain, which I don't, is not true. It was a sunny day. But yeah, I, I remember that. And, and what I remember from that, and, and I can't speak for everybody, but for me, and I think for most kids our age and, and going into the high school, uh, we, we had a rough stretch for a while. We had a soldier that was killed uh, driving home to visit his family. That happened a few months before. He was the older brother of one of our good friends. There was a uh, car accident that happened in Mona that killed um, a pretty young kid uh, around that same time. Raymond and Tiffany, I certainly knew who Tiffany was as well. And I don't think, at least for me, I didn't know how to grieve yet. Um, I knew how grieving looked on TV and in movies and you know, how you were supposed to act, but we were going through this as a community um, and as young kids, you know, seventh and eighth graders, 13 year old kids, we, we didn't know how we were supposed to act. Um, and it was hard, hard to know what to do. do you, should you be mad? Should you be sad? Should you cry? Should you yell? And, and we had to get through that together. And that wasn't the end of the tragedies that we were gonna experience. I was talking to my sister who's four years older than me, talking to her not long ago, and she said she had a friend in college um, who died when they were 25. And one of her other friends uh, mentioned that it was the first time in her life that she knew somebody personally who had died. And my sister's eyes got huge and thought, we've had half a dozen in our tiny town. You know, we've gone through these. We've talked about another train wreck that happened a few years later with the youth leader in our community that really affected us and and uh, it was it was tough for us and and go, learning learning that grieving process although not fun um, has benefited me in my life and and going through that but uh, yeah it was awful time period flat awful I remember Raymond had a sidekick his name was JC Reed um, and JC Reed has now since passed as well uh, but I was I was completely I was completely starstruck by JC's personality. Uh, JC was a big personality in the room, um, and me at, at this time, you know, sixth, fifth, and sixth grade, uh, moving up into seventh grade, uh, I I watched JC's every move, um, and Raymond was always with them. Uh, I don't remember Raymond being loud and boisterous. Uh, he could have been, but it seemed like. 
JC usually filled the room with the personality and Raymond was was there. Uh, but I remember specifically those two and a few others uh, coming to the house uh, on summer days and you know sitting down and talking with my dad and um, there was one night in particular, I don't know all the details, but I remember that they had a really long conversation on the front porch uh, with my dad, probably for a couple of hours. And, you know, I was sitting in the other room like, trying to hear what was going on, <laughs> but not knowing anything. Um, I believe that when they found out that they were going to have a baby, they came and talked to my dad. And, and I, I think the relationship there was, was good. I don't know all the details, uh, and you don't know behind the scenes, and you only see what you see on one side of the story. But from my end of things, I felt like that there was a, a really a, a deep level of trust there uh, with my dad, especially him being involved in both football and basketball, but uh, and being involved with those boys. Anything else from middle school from your research that <laughs> you wanted to share? Well... You remember the talent show. I asked you if you performed in it because you were always a great singer. You performed in elementary school and high school, singing the uh, Star Spangled Banner before basketball games and stuff. Yep, I remember singing the Star Spangled Banner. I remember singing Santa Fe from Newsies <laughs> in the elementary school talent show. I remember you singing that while I pulled you down a mountain while you pretended to be hurt, too. Possibly. I remember singing. <laughs> Possibly. No, it happened. Could have been. I remember singing Santa Fe in elementary school talent show so well that I was so upset that they there weren't prizes at the end. I thought for sure like I was going to win this contest, <laughs> not knowing it was just for people to go out and, and sing. Uh, the, the Juab County Fair had talent shows for a while, um, and I remember performing in some of those, and um, again, looking back at old video data, I probably wasn't as good as my mom told me that I was, um, but um, I remember... Uh, Don Marklin playing the piano several times. Um, I don't know that I remember or just think that I remember Brandon Flowers in the piano battle. Uh, I've heard the story um, and I'm certain that I was there because I was there everywhere all the time. But I remember Don being the musical star. Um, you know, Don and I uh, were in um, some school musicals together. Uh, where you know, he and I both had pretty decent parts. Uh, when I was a sophomore, we were in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And then when I was a junior, Don was the lead in Guys and Dolls. Um, and I was part of that. And I just remember Don was the musical genius. And then he wrote, um, if I remember this correctly, he wrote the graduation song that he sang at his graduation, our junior year. And I, I still think that's like the greatest song I've ever heard in my life. It, I'd love, I would pay huge money to find, you know, that recording and go back in time and, and sit there. But, and to me, Don was the musical genius. If you would have said to me when we were in high school, somebody in this group is going to become a famous musician, I would have bet the farm, Don Markham. And uh, probably still could. Um, but I'm sure I was there for the dueling pianos. So we, we go from middle school now uh, up into high school. And uh, like you say, you were at all the events. You were, I call you Mr. Juab, even though you said that that wasn't the thing you didn't win. Um, there was a Mr. Juab contest in our growing up years. Um, I don't know all of the details about the qualifications and what you had to do, but I'm fairly certain that I was not Mr. Juab in title, but I feel like I was Mr. Juab in spirit. 
but you were in everything you attended. Like, you were still in love with the high school. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was my life. And, and you loved Nephi. And yeah, and, you know, we talk about how everybody knew everybody and, and things like that. I don't know how much of it is that we actually knew everybody, or I certainly knew of everybody, but I knew everybody that was involved with the high school really well because I was involved with the high school. Um, I certainly knew everybody in that circle, um, and that was that included, you know, the drama club that I was involved with. Uh, to my mom's credit, she made me get involved with that stuff. Uh, the athletic side of things, you know, having both parents be there. Um, again, how much of this is folklore, or how much of it's reality? But I've gone through some of the old yearbooks, and it seemed like people loved my dad. That uh, he made a big impact on people, and. And uh, I'm sure that with the personality and style of teaching that he had, that he wouldn't last two years in today's system of education. Um, he would be run out and fired long ago for misconduct, I'm sure. Um, but he loved kids, uh, and he wanted to make an impact on their lives. And I was always with him, and he was always with them. So, so entering into high school, did you have any, any classes with Brandon, any relationships, any stories that come to mind? Any connection whatsoever? So the thing about Juab High School at that time is, you know, we talk, I was listening to the Justin Seeley episode not long ago, uh, re-listening to it. I, I loved that episode with Mayor Seeley. Um, and you know, talking about, you know, how do, how do your classmates, how do you not know all of your classmates? How do you not know everybody in the school? Well, when we were in school, there was one science teacher and there maybe was three or four sections of that class. So you had Mr. Wallace's biology class, either first, second, third, or fourth period. Those were, everybody had the same teacher. It was just a matter of if you, if you were in the same class period. Everybody had English 10 from the same teacher. Everybody had, you know, woodshop from the same teacher. Every, every te there was only one teacher for every subject. Um, and so we were lumped together by grade more so than probably in today's high school world, um, although that still happens. Um, and where Brandon was a year older than us, and I don't know that we had classes together. Uh, I was fairly certain that we had choir together, as I said. Uh, yearbook data doesn't support that. Um, so I don't know if we had classes together. Here's what I think I remember about Brandon. First of all, when, when I first heard, you know, about Brandon Flowers and the Killers, I was in college, um, and Jimmy called me on the phone and said, do you remember Brandon Flowers? And, of course, I remember Brandon Flowers. Um, and he said, well, he's on MTV right now. Like, contrary, turn on the TV. And that was back when MTV at least played some music. Um, I haven't watched MTV for 20 years, so maybe they do now. I don't know. But anyway, um, so I, I, that was the first I'd heard of Brandon Flowers, the musician. And I remember thinking, that's not the same kid. That's just somebody with the same name. Um, but it was the same kid, and, you know, word got out pretty fast afterward that, you know, Brandon Flowers was this musician and that he was big in Europe. And I remember being super jealous of the eyeliner. Um, I've been a closet, want to be an eyeliner guy a lot of my life, and I've never dared pull the trigger. My fashion skills are nowhere near where I wish they were, and I get jealous of that of him. But that's the first I heard of it. And after it blew up in Nephi, I remember that all of a sudden, Brandon Flowers was everybody's best friend. Like, everybody was, was best friends with Brandon growing up, and... You know, people had giant stickers of the killers on their cars and all this. And I remember thinking to myself, that's not how I remember Brandon Flowers. I remember Brandon Flowers being fairly secluded, fairly quiet. I remember being very well-dressed, slacks and a polo shirt every day, 
which makes sense in the golf world. I mean, he dressed like a golfer, um, but he, he was not a kid where you looked at him and said, this kid's going to be a rock star in 10 years from now. I remember him, you know, kind of keeping to himself. And it, and those that's what I remembered, and this podcast has kind of backed up that memory to some degree, that he wasn't loud and boisterous and the center of attention always, and he kind of stood back from the crowd. And, and one thing that my dad always accused me of, and he was dead right, and now that I'm a dad, I have a boy that was just like me, my dad always accused me of never knowing what was going on around me. Um, I was so involved in my own brain and space cadet that I didn't have the maturity to step back and assess the situation and really take in what was going on. And I think Brandon did have that ability. Um, and I think that's what makes this album so great is he was able to look at things for what they were and he was able to understand them. Even now, 20 years later, um, he has pretty clear memories of of some of those things, and it's because I think that he was very mature of mind um, and had the ability to not... I always wanted to be the center of attention. I don't think he wanted that. I think he wanted to step back and observe what was going on, and I wish, I wish I'd have done a better job of that. So Jimmy calls you up and says, hey, Brandon Flowers is on TV. Obviously, you hear the first killer stuff. Did you keep up with him much after that, or...? I wasn't a super fan by any means. In fact, I may have gone the other way. This maybe is a personality trait of mine, but because everybody from Nephi was such a big killer fan, I wasn't going to be. You know, because everybody had Facebook, I'm not getting it. You know, <laughs> Mr. Contrarian. Yes, Mr. Contrarian. Always. But you want me the center of attention. You, yeah, really everybody. weird. Yeah, really weird. And here's another thing I learned about myself. I didn't know this about myself in high school, that how shy I am. Um, in high school, you know everybody. You've known everybody for 12 years by the time you graduate from high school. And there was no reason for me to be shy in that setting. In fact, I felt like I deserved to stand out somewhat because I did know the older kids and I thought I was special. And, and looking back, I know that I was just an annoying you know, 15-year-old. I always say to my, to my family and my students that I teach now that if I could go back and meet myself as a 15-year-old, I would just walk up and knock him out. I wouldn't even introduce myself first. I'd just <laughs> knock him out. And uh, I'm sure... And that's would, our friend you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Say it to his face or not at all. <laughs> I, I'm sure I was uber annoying. So, you know, everybody else wanted, you know, was his major killer fan. I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not going to do it just to, just to be different. Uh, I get to college. I found out I'm super shy. I don't like to talk to people and, and those kinds of things. So I had to learn some stuff about myself. But I do love his music. I'm more opposite of Jimmy, maybe the contrary again, but I'm more of the, the slow, smooth, soft. My favorite version of Quiet Town is the CBS Sunday Morning version, where it's just him and there may be a guitar and a couple backup singers, and it's real quiet and slow, and, and those are the kinds of songs I like. And, and as I've gone back and listened to you know, some of his older stuff now, uh, those, are the, those are the ones that stick out to me. Obviously, Mr. Brightside and... Those early songs he did, we we love those. But for me, you know, Human, I know a lot of people don't love that song. I absolutely love the Human song. That's that's my style. So when Pressure Machine came out, I seem to remember you not liking it, or maybe you were just avoiding listening to it. Did you? And but but now the impression I get is that you love it. What 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 happened there? Uh, I do love it now. So the first time I listened to the album. You know, Derek in the text thread said, look, you got to listen to it. It's on YouTube. Listen to it from the beginning to the end. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. And the first song was West Hills. 
and I'm listening on my iPhone in a park with my kids screaming and, you know, my wife, you know, sitting next to me trying to have a conversation. And I had all these distractions. And West Hills has some of that high-pitched squealing is the best way I could describe it in the moment. So based on the environment that I was in and the headphones that I was listening on or the speakerphone that, out of my iPhone, like, I just thought, this sounds awful to me. I don't love it. But when I was able to, to re-listen in a, in a more quiet setting and actually break down the lyrics, I fell in love with Quiet Town, obviously, immediately. West Hills still isn't my favorite song in the world. Although lyric, I do love the lyrics of it. I just, some of that high-pitched stuff isn't my, my forte. But it seems like all the songs that Jimmy loves the most are my least favorite songs. <laughs> but I do love it now. My, uh, Quiet Town's my favorite song. In fact, I said on the text thread, like, obviously everyone's favorite song is Quiet Town. What's your second favorite song? And it, the responses were, well, my favorite song is in Quiet Town. I'm like, how is that possible? Um, but uh, I also love Pressure Machine. That's, I, I listen to that song often. Do you listen with interstitials or without? Uh, I prefer without. I mean, it, I'm, I'm glad that they were there, but when I turn on YouTube and listen to the songs, I usually skip forward. There seems to be layers to those songs, and I see that you've done your homework. Uh, at one point, we talked about it. Your memory is a little foggy, or you claim it is, of our high school years. But you were so in love. It was like the hot girl that you were always after, always trying to impress. At some point, you go off to college, and you move on, and you kind of leave that, that part behind you. Juab's behind you. Nephi's behind you. you know, the world doesn't revolve around Nephi anymore. When Pressure Machine came out... It seems like you kind of got back into it a little bit. Exactly. You you went back to, back to those memories. I went back and closed some wounds. So so what what's been healed? What are some things that you've discovered? What are some some stories that came out? What's what's the research born? After high school, I was completely lost. I remember the last few weeks of our senior year. Everybody's super excited. We're finally getting out of here. Those kinds of you know, high school's finally ending. And I remember bawling. I think everybody bawled graduation night. But I was bawling three weeks early because I knew what I had and I knew it was coming to an end. And uh, I, I struggled through it. So right after uh, high school, I went and approached the football coaches and said, now the football's over, I've got to help with football. Um, and I was really used to watching Juab High School football games from the sideline, so I thought I would continue that trend. Um, but uh, so I helped with football that very first year after high school graduation. Uh, then I went on my mission, and when I came back, I was back from my mission no more than a few weeks before uh, I signed up to be a substitute teacher at the high school. Uh, the principal approached me and said, are you interested in coaching um, girls basketball uh, that had come through a guy that replaced my dad as the basketball coach he and I were pretty good friends he was really good friends with my brother who was still coaching there so there was there was an, an opportunity for me to go help with the girls I did that I remember I remember my very first game coaching here I am a 21 year old kid really no experience at all uh, we can go back and talk about my basketball experience in a minute but you know I had on a, a sharp maroon shirt and a brand new golden tie and you know I remember going to that first game and the coach looked at me and said you you're dressed like it's a state championship game and it was freshman girls basketball I remember how that game went it wasn't too great 
I remember coaching basketball and telling girls, you know, pass and screen away, pass and screen away as we were just starting to learn some motion offense type stuff. And I remember the third day of practice, a girl said to me, what's a screen? And I knew we were in trouble um, and we had to go back, but I got my foundation there. I actually coached at the high school for three or four years. My brother was involved uh, with the boys program, coaching basketball. Um, I went to everything. And, um, you know, when I was a student at Snow College, I was driving home every day and coaching and going to all the boys games still. And I didn't really take advantage of the college life because I still wanted to live the high school life, which was maybe a regret in hindsight. But I remember as I started to phase out, um, I got a little older, started to be less and less involved with stuff. I was less and less important to the school. Uh, my mom had now moved to Utah Valley as a teacher uh, up there, so she wasn't even a teacher at the school anymore. Um, and I remember the school continued on, like life went on. <laughs> they still had graduations and they still had, you know, all these things, basketball games and football games. And when I was gone, like nobody noticed, and at least in my mind. And I remember being somewhat hurt by that. You know, they would, I was so naive. They would have these, you know, fan of the year presentations at basketball games. And it was always somebody who had been in the community for 80 years and probably donated lots of money and time and worked in the concessions and those types of things. Well, here I am, a 22-year-old kid up in the stands thinking, it's going to be me. It's going to be me. And it never was. Uh, I was so naive at the time. Um, and so I, you know, kind of just, moved on. I wouldn't say that I turned my back on Nephi or that Nephi turned their back on me, but I never did live in Nephi after after I left on my mission. I remember um, when I came home, I moved to Ephraim right away to go to Snow College, um, and then I moved to, to Provo and went to Utah Valley, um, and life just happened. And then I became a school teacher, wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps and coach basketball and football and teach school and got hired at Payson High, and I was there for one year, and Juab High School had a job opening, and I applied for that, and and uh, it was there was a basketball job associated with it, and I was pretty certain that they were. My brother and I both went through the history program together at Utah Valley, and he was obviously coaching there. And I remember just thinking, well, this is his job, not mine. But I still threw my my name in the hat, and uh, he was hired. I ended up going to a, a rival school and coaching basketball and teaching there and now I am 16 years later in education but you know the school kind of moved on and and so did I and and I lost that connection like we said not not having social media um, I remember you know we had the five-year reunion I didn't go to because nobody called me you know and I found out it was there was an invitation on Facebook or something but I didn't know and I was a little bit sour that Someone should have called me on the phone or whatever, and, and nobody knew my number, I'm sure. Uh, I didn't go to the 10-year reunion. I don't think I went to the, I didn't go to the 20-year reunion. And it wasn't that I was bitter. It's just that um, I was so out of touch, I guess, at that point that I was almost embarrassed to go back. I was embarrassed that I loved it so much that I let it take away. Like, it was my entire life. Um, and I was almost, when I, once I... Once I matured a little bit and realized how 
how silly that was for a, you know, even a 22, 23 year old kid to be that in love with something that had happened five years ago. I was pretty embarrassed by it. So that was part of it not going back for sure. Um, but still a lot of great memories. You know, my dad died the summer before our sophomore year. And talking about learning how to grieve and knowing how to grieve, certainly part of it. Um, I remember, you know, we, Jimmy and I went to summer weight training just a couple days later, and you know, people were talking to me and, and things like that. But um, he obviously, you know, wasn't coaching anymore at that point. And I remember trying out for basketball my sophomore year, and I got cut. And right, rightfully so. I was not, I was not one of the better players in our in our grade. And I remember, you know, asking uh, the the new basketball coach if you know I could help with the team and be a manager. And I did that for a little bit of a time. But he came to me about three weeks after, you know, the season had started and said, "Look, this is not, this is not good for you. You need to move on." Um, and he was pretty blunt with me that way. And I went and found wrestling. Wrestling was a great experience for me. Very thankful to Coach Waldron, who allowed me to start late as a sophomore with no experience and uh, really took me under his wing and trained me. And um, I was able to, to find some success there. And we had great school success there. You know, Class of 2000 was the first wrestling state championship. And I was a small part of that group. Um, you know, so I still had, still had that connection to the school. I'll tell you a story. So I had keys to the school, as I said, and I wrestled as a sophomore. Um, and then my junior year, I didn't know if I was going to wrestle or play basketball uh, or try to play basketball. And I still had my dad's keys to the old building. Our junior year was the first year in the new high school. But I still had keys to the old building. And I would spend hours, hours and hours there late at night, often alone. You know, sometimes the the lights were in a different room. Sometimes that door was locked. Um, and so I would just prop the doors open to the school and let you know, street light in if I could and shoot baskets in the dark if I needed to. But I spent a lot of hours in that school alone, you know, just thinking about you know, being a basketball player. And, and uh, the day of tryouts came our junior year, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I had basketball shoes with me, and I had wrestling shoes with me. And one of the kids, you know, one of the other wrestlers came up and said, hey, you know, what way are you going to wrestle? And that's really all it took. I just went straight to wrestling and never tried out again. And probably a good thing because I would have got cut again. But um, so, you know, that I was, I was super involved, you know, with basketball because of my dad and my brother. And then I became involved with the wrestling team. You know, I played football. High school ended. I coached football for a year. Um, I came back from my mission, coached basketball for three or four years, and then I left, and I had no connection with the town for 15 years. And then Pressure Machine came out, and I just went back and dug into some of those old memories, and, man, I've forgotten a lot of stuff, a lot of great stuff that I forgot. You know, in, the, in that song, he says the word lucky, and uh, that's how I feel, lucky. Yeah, it's kind of strange. You wanted to stay forever. Brandon wanted to get out forever. But a record about the same town, different experiences, triggers different emotions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think he does have a way with words that way. Uh, some of his other songs and stuff, too. You kind of listen to him initially, and it's a nice song or a good song or, or whatever, but you, you look at some of the lyrics or kind of reflect a little bit, and it almost opens up different doors for 
I think for everybody. I see this online. I know we're kind of biased because we're from the town. And, you know, we think kind of like you, we know all about this town. We know all about Brandon growing up. We know what these songs are about. Uh, but then you read something that somebody else posts halfway across the world about the song. And for me, you kind of have a different epiphany, uh, capital E, epiphany that, oh, yeah, that does. I mean, you know, and, and uh, I think we're naive uh, all together in a lot of ways about what something's about. Just because we were there, that we've had the same experience that must be the same way for Brandon as it was for us. And that's not necessarily always true. And, you know, those those emotions get triggered or different stories come to mind. And uh, I think Pressure Machine's been a really good thing for the town of Nephi. Yeah, and and we've heard it said, you know, small town everywhere, small town USA. Uh, people say, I didn't grow up in Nephi, but I grew up in a small town. And this really resonates with me as well. And and uh, it is. It's, it's Americana, and it was the time period, and... It was a great time. It was a great time to grow up. Did you have any sense of the opioid problems that happened in Nephi? I was really naive to that, definitely. And looking back, you know, we saw started looking at some of the people who had issues with it, and it started to add up quickly. But did you see any of that? Well, there? I was really naive, first of all, as to what was going on. I had great friends, more so because I was lucky than because I was smart. Um, we tell this story, I don't know if it's 100% true, but it sounds good. So uh, on the day, the first day of school when friends, friend groups were to be decided, you know, the, the athletes or the jocks went with the jocks and the cowboys went with the cowboys and the skater die kids went with the skater die kids and the stoner kids went with the stoner kids. And then there were 10 of us left over and we decided, well, we should be friends too. Uh, and so that's kind of how our friend group formed. And we didn't get involved in any of that stuff. Again, more because we were lucky than because we were smart, I think. But I think we knew some of what was going on, or at least we heard rumors that stuff was going on, but I don't think we knew knew the details of it at all. A few years after graduation, one of those boys that I was able to be involved with on the coaching side of things when I came back had some issues. And at his funeral, his mom asked me to sing at his funeral. I was completely shocked by that. That sure she said to me that, you know, he had a a deep appreciation for me and that I was a, a big example in his life and I didn't see any of that. I didn't I didn't see me making that impact for him for sure, but that's when my eyes got open was a few years later when I realized now we've had some kids that I know that are really struggling. I was gone, but I remember reading about in the Nephi Times news about a big drug bust that happened maybe, you know, five or six years after we graduated from high school and some of the names in there were like, wow. I know this person really well and had no idea. So that kind of contradicts the, we knew everybody and knew everybody's business because there were certainly some shadows. Somebody's been keeping secrets. Somebody's been keeping secrets. And I don't know if I didn't know because I didn't know or because I didn't pay attention. Um, I think with me, there was also some level of like, my parents were involved in the school. And so if I was around that, then my parents were going to find out who else was around that, and then that wasn't going to be good. And maybe I was shunned a little bit from that, but probably more just annoying than anything. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy brought up last week, we were talking about the Haunted West Hills version. Brought up the Whitmore Mansion. Brought up a cemetery uh, out in Eureka. Now, uh, I didn't go into much detail about that cemetery trip, but uh, often I was with you, and when we finally went there, I was with you. 
Absolutely. You uh, you want to talk anything about that or that experience? Or well, you told the story. I, for me, it's the most recent episode, and I just listened to it yesterday on my drive down here. Um, you told the story almost to a T about we got out of work at midnight. I work at Burger King. You worked at Subway. Somebody else worked at the Circle C, I think, gas station. Uh, we picked each other up, and we drove to Eureka. Worked. We're going to go find it tonight. We drive out there 80 miles an hour with Metallica blasting. We pull into town. The windows go up. The doors lock. We drive away. Nobody says a word for 40 miles back home. I mean, it, that, and that's how it was. And we tried that a few times. And I remember when we when we finally found it with the help of a, of a dear friend, uh, when we finally found that cemetery, first of all, the gate, you push the gate open and it only opened about maybe maybe two or three feet is all. And it got stopped by a stone wall behind it. And I thought, this is the weirdest thing in the world. Why is it like this? And then it was actually your brother, Adam, who said, let's keep the animals out. I'm like, well, let's stop using logic here and let's start <laughs> talking about some of the creepy stuff. But we went there. The, the way I remember the, the folklore was you go and touch the back wall and you turn around and you would see a ghost and I touched the back wall and didn't see it. But, you know, looking back on that, I'm certainly glad it happened. I'm glad we found it and put that mystery to bed. But we were on somebody's property at one in the morning. Like, we're lucky we didn't get shot at. But yeah, so uh, I remember that. Uh, another thing from last week's haunted episode is that you didn't bring up was Mr. Pitchforth. <laughs> Mr. Pitchforth has a grave uh, in the same cemetery where my dad's buried. Uh, up Nebo Heights in Nephi, and if you uh, ask Mr. Pitchforth, you know, uh, is it what are you doing? Is that what you ask? I think you have to walk around and ask him what he's doing down there. Yeah, and he says nothing, nothing at all. And uh, you guys talked about Alien Hill. We spent a lot of time at the overpass growing up. That's a, a great memory. Uh, there was a, a lonesome overpass that uh, we used to go hang out at. Nothing nefarious, but. Uh, and uh, then you know, from Derek's other podcast, uh, I lived with Adam in the morgue, and uh, so we had some fun experiences there, but I've never been one that really likes to get scared, and uh, I don't know if those early you know, go or, uh, Eureka Cemetery days are the reason for that or what it is, but I don't like scary movies, and I don't like to be in those situations. Did you work anywhere else in Nephi besides Burger King? I love to talk about some of these old places that used to exist or where people used to work. Yeah, so I got a job at Burger King, family tradition. My oldest brother, not my oldest, um, an older brother uh, that graduated in 1991, he got a job at Burger King, and then two of my sisters followed suit, and so I thought, well, I have to work at Burger King. So I worked at Burger King for a couple of years, um, and then uh, I also worked at a pizza place, Two Jack's Pizza. Uh, worked there probably doesn't exist anymore, but uh, one of our football coaches was the uh, was the manager there, owner there, and uh, hired us on. And so I delivered pizzas and made pizzas. And uh, I worked for a roofing company after I got home for my mission in the summers. And we spent Jimmy and I spent one summer after high school graduation building a dairy in Levan, Bateman Dairy. And we, it was steel construction, um, and pff, Jimmy and I knew nothing about steel construction. 
but we were gopher boys and they were trying to help, you know, teach us to, as we went. But I remember we worked long, hard days out there. And the summer after high school graduation, the other 10 friends that we had were out partying and doing stuff every night. And we couldn't because we were working long days and then we were tired and we kind of missed out on that summer of fun. But well, about the old gym, it came up in uh, yeah. that documentary. Um, Brandon sings a song there. It came up a few times. You got any memories of the old gym? So the old gym was ever open, whether it was by design or not. Kids spent a lot of time in the old gym, probably when they shouldn't have been. But one of our friends ran the the skating rink that was there. And uh, I remember helping there at times, you know, checking out skates and playing music and drawings. And there were numbers all over the gym floor, if you remember. And you had to stop on a number and they would draw the number out of the ground or out of the hat. There was a door on the the far north side of the door of uh, the old gym that was locked. That there was one time that it was unlocked, and I went back there, and there were like uh, racquetball courts back there. I think is what they were. And I remember, you know, this was 150 pounds ago, but uh, I remember like crawling through these little spaces, and then it all of a sudden opened up, and there was like a whole backside of the old gym that nobody either knew existed or nobody had access to. Um, I remember playing basketball in the old gym early in the mornings. Um, and, you know, what was great about the old gym is there were four side hoops that were only like eight or eight and a half feet high for junior jazz kids. And you could dunk on those ones, you know. And so you find a volleyball or a smaller basketball that you could grip and, you know, have a little dunk show. And then, but I remember, you know, waking up early in the mornings and going down and playing basketball. And I don't know that it was an organized thing or there were just always people there playing. But when I heard it was condemned... My heart broke a little bit. Uh, it was kind of cool to watch Brandon Flowers have his little video there in the old gym. Have anything? So we all have tickets to this killer show in what is August. August. That's going to be a great time. I'm guessing your first Killers concert. First one. I'm not a concert guy in general. I'm excited for the concert. As I've already said, I'm a I'm more of a quiet music person. And I didn't know this about myself either. We talked earlier about not knowing how to grieve knowing how movies portray it and knowing how you know TV portrays it. But for me, preparing for games, I knew how movies portrayed it and things like that. You know, we had the loud, crazy headbanging music going on. Uh, I, I still do throw in a little ring finger, nine inch nails every <laughs> once in a while and get myself hyped up for a Jewett football game. But uh, I have since learned that uh, before I have a big sporting event that I'm going to go out and take part in. I would prefer to have lights off, any in my headphones, something slow, calm, smooth, than when you ask about going to the concert, yes, I'm excited for the concert. I'm going to have a really good time there. But if you ask me rock concert versus orchestra, I'm choosing orchestra any day of the week. Do you have any, any songs you're hoping to hear at the concert, necessarily? Well, so not, not being a concert expert... I didn't know this until real recently that when these guys, when there's a Killers concert or a Pick a Name concert, I didn't know that they basically just play the song from their most recent album. I didn't know that that's what it was all about. I thought they just... So um, I'm imagining we're going to hear Pressure Machine songs. Um, but uh, there's... I have some favorites. You might be surprised. This is... I might be. I have no yeah. idea. Well, this is their de delayed Imploding the Mirage, the previous album. And from what I've seen so far, what they played in Mexico and stuff, there's it's not a lot of Pressure Machine songs. So. I have hope with it being from Utah. I'm probably yeah. getting my hopes up too high. 
there's going to be a lot of pressure machine just because of the uh, content of the album. But I was hoping last time we saw him, they mentioned he was from Nephi, and that didn't happen as we've documented. So hard to say. The Romeo and Juliet song, the Be Still song, like those are the songs that, that I really like. Now you 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 said that you might be wearing your uh, your uh, Letterman's jacket for the people in the the arena. Is this going to happen? <laughs> I got. Are people going to be looking for the Juab uh, so Letterman jacket? That Letterman's jacket was purchased for somebody who weighed one forty, and uh, you can add a couple dozen to that now for what I weigh. But um, yeah, if I can lose forty pounds between now and August, which is possible, then heck yeah, I'll wear it. I still have boxes full of Juab High School t-shirts that one day are going to become a quilt, but I don't know how to quilt them. They just sit in my basement. So I'll find a nice Juab hat, maybe, or I'll just, I I'll have, just be with you guys. I don't know. I have plenty of Juab High School memorabilia. In fact, I'm a hoarder. <laughs> You're sentimental. I'm sentimental, uh, as my siblings called a shrine at my mom's house of my life and... I have the original Coca-Cola bottle from our state championship in wrestling and a whole bunch of other Coca-Cola bottles, you know, from around the world. I have, you know, programs uh, from state tournaments, uh, those kinds of things. I have, I have a lot of that stuff saved and, and I was going through it not long ago in my, my mom's house trying to clean up the shrine and uh, there's some stuff there that really probably ought to be donated to the school and and put on display somewhere there's some there's some really cool stuff there that i got my hands on one way or another and and uh you know certainly stuff that's more valuable to me than than the community at large but still man like you said when pressure machine came out it opened a door for me to go back and explore the past and i have some cool stuff from back then if somebody wants to get a hold of you so i don't have to hear where scott wallace nowadays is there any anything out there, any glimpses of what what people can do to find you if they care to, or do you want to stay just off the off the grid? If somebody wants to find me, they can find you. You can find me. Okay. That's probably the best way. So I have not been back. My brother's still an educator in Nephi, um, and he still lives there. But I have not been back in, I don't know, official capacity is the correct way to say it, but I haven't really gone to any football games or any basketball games or anything like that of note. I think I've, I think I've been at the football stadium one time in the last 20 years uh, while a game was going on. Um, and you know, I, I've seen some, some games on the road when they were in a tournament you know, up near my house in Ogden and, and stuff like that. But I really haven't been back to Nephi. But rumor has it that in the gym is hanging a banner. I've seen pictures of this banner. But I've never seen it with my own eyes. Hanging a banner that says school fight song and has lyrics on there that are not the school song that I remember and frankly inappropriate. And I'm quite bitter about it. And I don't know whose idea it was to go ahead and say that they're going to put a fight song up that didn't exist and doesn't exist. But Nephi, Juab High School turned 100 when we were juniors in high school. And if it wasn't a fight song then, it ain't a fight song now. I'll tell you that. So uh, I haven't heard it. I, I'm judging solely on something I haven't heard and don't have knowledge of. But I know the school song. And boys were old 
22 years after graduation, I still can sing you all three verses of the school song from heart. Before you do that, we'll have you do that. We always ask if somebody was to come from out of Nephi, whether driving to Zion or, or whatever, and they were to stop to Nephi, what are, what are some landmarks or some things you think somebody should do if they were to come to Nephi um, just to see what Nephi's all about? Well, obviously the high school for me. You guys talked about where the best place to have a concert would be at one time. High school was the obvious choice for me. Uh, I think somebody might have said on the football field at the high school. Uh, but um, got to go to the golf course, Canyon Hills. Spent a lot of time there and around the golf course. Frosty Freeze, I didn't know it didn't exist until the podcast came out. I'm kind of bitter about that as well. I have not been to town, and I'm afraid that I will be upset uh, when I go there and not see some of the stuff that should be there. Places you got to stop. For me, it was Vards, and then it turned into Reeds. There's still something there. Nebo Queen. Nebo Queen. There's uh, some of the famous buildings, um, and maybe it's just because it's around the Nephi City Park, which is somewhere you have to go, especially on the 4th of July. But you have the Honda Shop right across the street. Um, and uh, there was a 7-Eleven there where we used to go get Slurpees. I remember a funny story where Jimmy and I scrounged up all the money in the couch that we could find and i'm sure that 95 percent of the money was his and then we grabbed an extra 10 cents just to be safe and we went to 7-eleven to buy slurpees it was vards we went to get a, uh, a milkshake or went to milkshake uh, vards get a milkshake anyway we went somewhere we took an extra 10 cents just in case and we were still like way short and they just gave us the, the stuff that we had they were very nice but and then there's a whole south end of town that in our day was completely excluded from the rest of town or completely separate. I think today it's kind of merged into one, but there was the Burger King out there and the subway and uh, there was a couple truck stop uh, places. But um, if you're going to, if you're going to pick the top three to go visit Nephi, go around the loop on the golf course, because by going around the loop, you'll see the taco time. You'll see walkers. Um, go to the high school. I liked going to Nebo Heights when we were there. We call it Snob Hill, but going back, it wasn't <laughs> nothing that special about Nebo Heights anymore. Old gym, yeah, for sure. The J Hill. Gotta visit the J Hill too. Okay, go, go for it. Neat the majestic guard of Nebo, and blending with the clear blue sky, stands the master of our valley. Behold our dear Jewab High. Oh, we love our Jewab High School, and our songs to your praise will sing. For the crimson and gold whose colors high we will hold, we will always be true to thee. We will hail its victors and leaders, yes, many who are worthy of praise, whose deeds beneath our mighty emblem our banner supreme will raise. Oh, we love our Jewab High School. And our songs to your praise will sing. For the crimson and gold whose colors high we will hold, we will always be true to thee. When these joyous days are ended, whose memories will time defy, of friendship and of days of pleasure, in this our dear Jewab High, oh, we love our Jewab High School. And our songs to your praise will sing. For the crimson and gold whose colors high we will hold, 
we will always be true to thee. That's another episode down from Lonely Town.